Well, 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 Spags, I told you that you needed to embrace your inner Warren Sharp and get a brightly colored polo, and lo and behold, you found one. I mean, here I am at the beach reporting on football as best I can because the takes don't stop, the fantasy football doesn't stop, and training camp definitely doesn't stop. The season officially kicks off today with the Hall of Fame game. Will we have any interest in that? We'll talk about that in a second. We also have an ungodly amount of news, and we are going to draft the puppy, which is filling at an alarming rate right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, I texted you about it. It is hard to follow up what you guys were doing yesterday on Ship Chasing. I didn't even watch the show, but it was hitting my social media feed. I saw Leone with neon lights running through the streets. So this is the best I can do is just my, my fine hat from the people of Ocean City, Maryland. Yeah, let's talk us through. Uh, you went, you found a store. Were were these both at the same store? Did you have to get the shirt somewhere else? Did you try one on? How much did this cost? Tell us how the sausage got made. So I think in total, I spent ninety dollars on things from uh, the store. It is a beachfront store that had a series of Hawaiian shirts. Also had a lot of extremely classless marijuana attire in a way that, like, I love weed too. But it's like, oh, this one isn't the Rona. This cough isn't the Rona. It was like one shirt that I actually posted on my Instagram stories. But uh, yeah, his full trash bag. Where also the cashier, you could tell, hated her life having to work there at all. So I have two Hawaiian shirts, a hat, and also a Pete. Um, I guess one more thing to complete the look fully. Are you doing a show with one of the guys from LMFAO? I don't know, Pete. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, the chat is going to be LMFAOing after this. Uh, these sunglasses you put on, Spags. It, was it? Did you buy? Is this part of the getup? Is this the wrinkle you were promising? Um, Alex, of course, my loving partner, who uh, assured me that I was looking good or would look good in this attire, tried to get the most splash play friendly shirt. Also tried to get these sunglasses because, I mean, if you're going to flex, Pete, I'm not, I can't get through some black Ray-Bans. I can't do anything casual. The pink Nana glasses are the only move I think you can make. Yeah, no, I'm now feeling, uh, feeling underdressed. You know, I got, these aren't quite, these are a little, uh, I can't do a show in sunglasses. I'm going to get, my eyes are going to start hurting. You have to commit to this bit. I'm not doing this today. Oh, I'm going to be uncomfortable talking about all the training camp news, talking about, of course, uh, the draft we're going to be doing on puppy on the puppy coming up in a little bit, competing for $1 million, 200 k up top in that one. But Pete, the show-changing announcement I tweeted about earlier today that we want to make sure to start to promote now. Uh, moving uh, at the start of the NFL season, this show will be exclusively on the Splash Play YouTube channel. So for the rest of the ball season, we'll continue simulcasting on Pete's channel and the Splash Play channel. And then once week one hits, we're moving exclusively to the Splash Play channel to extend the Pete Overs at M to give myself room to do more insane content to have more mythology in the mix pete who knows but the world is our oyster now that we are officially locked in on doing our own channel yeah we're giving everyone ample amount of time to get your house in order to subscribe to the splash play channel we're at 963 subs so we are this is imminent here i i would even say that by this weekend we will crest 1000 i'm dropping it here in the chat if you're listening to the audio version spags will link to it in the show description Get Spags, get Splash Play, get us to 1K subs because uh, pretty soon that's going to be the only place you can find us. 
Yeah, so the goal, of course, as we talk about with this show, we talk football all year long. We talk about every bet, every DFS tournament out there that you could possibly play, every best ball tournament as well, and that's going to continue on on the Splash Play channel during the regular season. So make sure to go subscribe over there right now, and if you're listening, you can go to youtube.com slash C slash Splash Play Pod, because Lord knows they have to put that slash C in there to make it slightly more difficult. Uh, but Pete, we've got to talk about the training camp news. Of course, Hall of Fame game tonight, Jags Raiders. We're going to speed round through these before we hop into the Puppy 3 draft coming up in a second. Do you care at all about this game tonight? Like, I know it's nice to have football back in. They've already said clearly no starter is going to be doing anything meaningful. It's hard for me to get the enthusiasm up. And if people want us to care and want us to bet on this, I can't drum it up. As No matter how hard I try, I just can't get there. Yeah, so I will say, like, I don't care about it from watching it standpoint. I'm excited to, uh, you know, see the usage, see who looks good. I know we're not getting, you know, Trevor Lawrence and ETN and, and you know, the guys we would be really excited about seeing. But yeah, I mean, think about it this way. Like, as someone who's sifting through all of these camp blurbs that are just like some of the most meaningless updates, at least this is actual football. At least the team is showing us a little bit more in high definition what they're trying to do, who they want to showcase. So from that regard, I'm just interested in having some slightly more actionable news and information to process things through. And from a best ball perspective, I'm excited to have things that the field massively overreacts to in one way or another, like knowing how reactive drafters are, you know, if I, if our guy LaVisca Chenault, you know, as a, has a touchdown tonight, he's going to like jump two rounds at ADP. Like I guarantee that will happen. So uh, I am looking forward to uh, ADP shifts as well. Dave saying, well, Visca will get lots of time tonight because the starters aren't going, Pete. So the Visca burns come in, though. I do remember last year we caught one touchdown pass. She might have had two in a preseason game from Trevor Lawrence, and I was starting to buy in and uh, didn't end up working out today, though. Today's going to be the day he has his official breakout. The Sean Watson news, Pete, of course, the uh, suspension stuff is going on still. The NFL apparently appealing his six-game suspension. It also seems like the rumors out there are indicating they really don't want him to be playing it at December 4th game against Houston, uh, which is a big part of what they're negotiating against. Do you at this point, what do you even do? Because I feel like people immediately, once that news came out, six-game suspension, they were locked in. Now that it's appealing, it feels like it can't possibly end up at six games. It has to be at least eight, you would think. Uh, what do you do with Deshaun Watson at this point? Yeah, so, I mean, it's crazy just from thinking about all the different spots that people have drafted him. Like, if it would be incredible. I want to see, like, a full ADP chart of these windows, and it probably would legitimately look like a roller coaster. Um, yeah, basically, once they appealed, it does seem like, at minimum, you know, he's getting like a 12-game suspension. Um, there was some reporting here from Charles Robinson, and he kind of basically broke it down into three options. The one was he takes a year suspension, which pushes his contract back a season. Um, two, take a 12-game suspension with a $10 million fine to basically call 2021 a suspension. I mean, $10 million, now, now that's a legit fine. And then three, fight it in court where you'll most likely lose. So um, it does seem like number two makes the most sense. Um, that was what Hayden Winks had said as well after kind of parsing that, which I agree, 12 games, pay the fine. Um, so who knows? Uh, yeah, I. but I think as far as like fantasy, like he needs to now be back in that 16, 17, 18, just pure flyer territory. I can't imagine spending any more on him uh, until we find out. Also, shout out to the guy who, so basically Spags, you'll love this. In one of our old Superflex videos, some guy was like, it's going to be really uh, incredible when everyone who wins the Superflex puppy or makes it to the finals has Deshaun Watson. And I replied, like, you still have time to delete this. And then when the six-game suspension came back, he found that old comment and wrote W. <laughs> and then guess who found it yesterday? Still said, waiting for that uh, updated comment from the guy claiming the W before the appeal was announced. So, you know, just some good old-fashioned uh, bantering in the uh, YouTube comments. 
I mean, look, we've talked about victory lapping takes before they've actually happened, so try to wait until at least you get the official news, and the appeal process goes through. Other news out there, Tim Patrick tore his ACL, likely out for the year. This came at the end of last show, but we've seen some more news. The dust has settled. Who benefits the most, Pete? Because it did seem like uh, there's some camp injuries going on. Kendall Hinton not going. I think Tyree Cleveland's the other one not going. So 2021 sixth-rounder Seth Williams from Auburn uh, was rotating with the first team in Denver. I feel like, to me, though, this is still a bump-up for Sutton, a bump-up for K.J. Hamler in particular, a bump-up for Jerry Judy. I think those guys gain pretty noticeably. And Handler's been going 50 spots ahead of ADP in some drafts. We've talked all offseason long about how he's undervalued in this Russ offense. I love Handler the most, but I'm also taking Sutton now around the 30 range on underdog just because I think Sutton's a monster. And my big concern is that Tim Patrick could do what he does. To me, Sutton now has nobody to compete for. Like Judy's going to do his thing. He can still get some deep balls. But I love Sutton. I love Handler. And you could give a slight bump to Judy in my estimation. Yeah, I I know it feels like a cop-out, but I feel like everyone equally benefits. You know, Tim Patrick uh, was definitely going to steal some red zone looks from Sutton, um, you know, that big-bodied wide receiver who I think would be attractive to Russ in the red zone. So I think he benefits. Judy, there were rumors that he was third in the pecking order as far as, you know, wide receivers here. So he obviously benefits clearing out Patrick. And then Hamler wasn't going to be on the field in three wide receiver sets, most likely. So now he's on the field. So I feel like everyone benefits. The tight ends now should have a couple extra looks to go around. So I don't know how much higher Sutton and Judy's ADPs could go. Sutton's was already really pricey. Maybe you could argue Judy's should tick up a bit. And then Hamler's should obviously tick up. I mean, I, I really do think he should be, you know, I don't know, 12th, 13th round pick. Um, and who knows? Maybe he doesn't quite get there, but that's what I kind of think the fair value is for him now that he's going to be on the field with Russ on most plays. The other big Broncos news that Pete teased in this thumbnail here behind me reports are that the Broncos backfield is looking like more like a 54-46 share. I think I saw 56-44 as well in the chat earlier. <laughs> Some share, Pete, though, that is not as heavy of a Javante Williams share as it looked like with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, who last year basically a pure 50-50 this year, slightly more than 50-50. The hope, though, was that Javante Williams would seize more of that workload. And like you've pumped Javante Williams' tires a lot. I think some people have also pumped Melvin Gordon's tires a little bit too much. Which way do you go at this point? Because it does seem like both guys are just going to be in exactly the same situation as last year. Yeah, and, and you're referencing there was kind of this little spat online between a couple of Broncos insiders, one a beat reporter just kind of anecdotally firing from the hip, saying it had been a 70-30 split. Benjamin Albright, though, has been keeping the receipts. He has his reps chart. He says it's 54-46. So uh, that does skew a little closer to what I would have guessed just by saying um, that it you know, most of the early reports too, is like, this is a committee, you know, they're both sharing reps. So uh, hilarious to watch these guys argue about, you know, 16 percentage points worth of snaps. But uh, yeah, the, nothing has really changed for me. The whole, the whole thing, the whole thesis behind the Javante at the two, three turn is just knowing his massive contingent value. And I think he has multiple ways to get there, right? Like he could just be so good this year. And when you look at his broken tackle percentage and his breakaway rate, like we know he has it in them. So he might just be so good that the team just has to give him more carries because they would be dumb not to, or he has the contingent value or another thing that I brought up last night. Like what if the Broncos identity is just more run focused? You know, they lose Tim Patrick. They've seen Russ Wilson run these kind of offenses before with a lot of running to set up the play action. Maybe they just lean on Javante and Melvin Gordon and both these guys can, you know, hit. Um, so I don't know. I think there's still lots of outs for, for this running game. 
Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett coming from Green Bay could probably bring some of that same philosophy we saw last year where Aaron Jones was the lead back, got the most work, was the most valuable as we're seeing him get drafted highly this year. But A.J. Dillon was still in the mix and still hovered as a guy who could be a bell cow right behind him. That's what I'm thinking Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are. We're going to hop in the puppy in a second, Pete, but I want to keep getting some of these quick news items out. Deontay Johnson, the last Holden wide receiver, is looking for a deal. He signed his deal, two-year, $36 million extension with Pittsburgh. Uh, that makes him, along with Heinz Ward and Antonio Brown, the only guys who've gotten multi-year contracts after their first one from Pittsburgh uh, feels like a good spot for Deontay Johnson drafters I feel like he's been coming down a lot just because of holding out or holding in uh, by appearing in camp but not actually practicing but Deontay Johnson are you gaining confidence with him were you taking the value with him because I feel like I kind of tuned him out because I think Pickens and Claypool can take enough away from him that I don't think he's properly valued but him getting paid I feel like at least you have to have confidence he's going to be deeply in the mix yeah, he's one of those guys where, you know, structurally, I'm often taking a wide receiver in that range. He's not like my favorite guy there. You know, I would, you know, before DJ Moore got more expensive, I was taking him all the time. But yeah, I took Deontay Johnson on my pros versus Joe's team the other night. Influencer 101, by the way. <laughs> GG, everyone. You just can't uh, help yourself, can you? <laughs> Um, yes, get it out, get it all, everyone get it out of your system, get it out. Um, so yeah, I mean, some of the stuff with the contract stuff, similar with Debo, like, I mean, yes, it's news, but I don't really think it actually changes anything for, for fantasy. Mitch Trubisky also seeming like a lock to start for Pittsburgh, despite the fact he's been downright bad in camp for days to do their goal line drill. A lot apparently was 0 for 16 in two straight days for Trubisky, but it seems like he's locked into the job. And Pete, do you, I know we took a little picket early on in draft season. Are you drafting any of the Trubisky picket Mason Rudolph conundrum as we are on the 101? And tell me who we want to pick here. Are we Jonathan Taylor boys? Um, no, let's, this is going to be, I'm not getting buried by an avalanche. Let's take a wide receiver. Okay. I mean, I think we snuck into this room pretty fast where we're not going to get a, a classic splash play ship chasing all the peach stream rooms that we do now. Uh, but I think taking a, a nice little taste of Justin Jefferson, I don't mind that one bit. Yeah, no, I knew you would be on board with that there. Um, what, sorry, what did you say right before that? Oh, so talking oh, about Mitch question. Trubisky. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the one thing, you know, I, I still, I like refuse to take Trubisky or Rudolph. Um, I still will, will grab Pickett. The one similar situation on that, that I'm starting to want to sprinkle in is like a little bit Mariota. You know, I've been drafting mm -hmm. a ton of Ritter and I am kind of coming around on the idea that maybe Mariota could hold on to that job where I, I really do think, you know, Pickett is for sure going to be playing by the end of the season. So yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not messing around with Trubisky, even if he, if, even if you tell me Trubisky starts 10 games i mean like what is it what is it what is that doing for you uh down the stretch yeah, by the time it really matters in week 17 as pete has talked about a lot on every show that he does as well as the deposit kingdom channel if you're targeting week 17 it does seem more like a picket situation than a trubisky one but don't be surprised when trubisky's named a starter because everything they're saying including a an actual quote from their qb's coach thing the athletic is basically that they're setting up trubisky to get every chance that he can get and they'll see where it goes from there other reports i want to keep touching on and i have a lot of them here aaron Rodgers saying romeo dubs is making plays that quote unquote only guys in the top 10 package receivers have ever made along with the expected rookie mistakes as well but uh, there's been some things pointed out, Pete, about Romeo Dubs. Romeo Dubs fl flying off, I think, the shelves on a lot of these drafts now. I'm buying in fully, and I know you should probably still take some Christian Watson. He can come in and do some similar things, but I love Romeo Dubs. I know you – I think you might be, again, one of the earliest guys on Romeo Dubs, much like Isaiah McKenzie, touting him and saying, take him now before he gets too expensive. Dubs, the like the hype on Dubs might be as high as anybody out there who could still end up with not a really serious role. Um. 
Wow, I, I didn't know I get credit for dubs. I uh, I mean, Gret, Gretch has been very excited about dubs. It, it is, I mean, we know how reluctant Rodgers is to trust these rookie wide receivers. Like, he runs these guys out of town. So anytime he's singing his praises, uh, I'm paying attention to that. On the other hand, he has also sung Alan Lazard's praises a ton too and mm -hmm. calling him their wide receiver one. But I think the most interesting thing here is probably the ADPs of Christian Watson versus dubs. And like, I mean, when you look at their prospect profiles, there's nothing to necessarily indicate why Watson should necessarily be ahead of Dubs at this point with what we know. So I don't know. Maybe we get kind of like a Crowder McKenzie-esque flippening with those guys too um, because I haven't heard Rogers talking about Watson much, but he sure likes to talk about Dubs. Yeah, I don't think Watson is actually out there yet. He might be doing some side field drills, but he's not, I think, getting meaningful reps with the, the team. So uh, Dub's taking the most advantage of the opportunity. It seems like he's starting to get steamed up. Amari Rodgers, I'm going to point out, also had a nice puff piece in The Athletic talking about being in the best shape of his life for real. Apparently, he was working with a 24, or 2004, rather, Olympian uh, named Dwight Phillips. So uh, read that one if you want to get some Amari Rodgers steam. We've talked about him being in great shape. Van Jefferson, Pete, his knee surgery apparently went as about as great as it could go. Seems likely to be in for week one. Do you care about that one at all? Because Van Jefferson's starting to come down. I feel like now might be a time to buy that discount. Yeah, um, I do think that might be one you can buy because you look at the other options. It's Tutu Atwell and Ben Skoronek. Um, hard to imagine uh, either of those guys having kind of like real breakout potential. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably consider the the dip there. I think we have to draft the cover boy, Javante Williams, uh, mm -hmm. with one of these picks. And then who would you like to do for the other? I'm Michael Pittman, lots of nice camp reports on him. Uh, we didn't take Cooper Cup in this one, so I feel like we should pass up the Chargers guys. And uh, Pittman apparently dominant in camp so far, according to some of those reports, uh, alongside Alec Pierce, who's also looking fantastic after everybody started to FUD him down. Alec Pierce running with the first team and beating out Stefan Gilmore on some plays. Yeah, Pittman is definitely uh, a guy I'm I'm light on, so I don't mind taking uh, a share of him. You know, specific. It's like I can never pull the trigger on Pittman if T. Higgins or AJ Brown are on the board. Just mm. forget about it. But once those guys are off the board, and I do agree with you, a lot of times the Cooper Cup teams are grabbing the Chargers, so we kind of made our stand against Cup there with the Jefferson pick in this specific draft. So yeah, I think. All of that log it, logic checks out. I think you could have made an argument for us to double tap running back. I think I've done some like Cooper, Jefferson, or Chase with Javante and Chubb builds. I've done a couple of those. But uh, in this room, I think getting the getting the wide receiver was prudent. GA007 in the chat saying also passed on JT take Pittman. That does make Good sense call. if we are betting against Jonathan Taylor. Take another guy who gets some of the touchdown work that we're expecting or people as an industry are expecting to go Jonathan Taylor's way. One reason, Pete, that we might want to fade that Rams Chargers game. And to be clear, I wouldn't fade it entirely, but I do think some cause for concern. Matthew Stafford right before the show having some arm issues. John Walford's been taking first team snaps because of it. Sean McVay said it wasn't anything unexpected, but Ian Rappaport called it quote unquote bad tendonitis uh, with a player of Stafford's age. Stuff like this, Pete, I'm curious to actually hear how you take it because he is an older player. He's a guy that, you know, normally if we're talking older players, we do exercise a little bit of risk at position, uh, you know, player spots. For this situation, though, uh, Stafford, I've been taking pretty comfortably. I've seen him go ahead of Trey Lance in some drafts, not so much in the puppy, but in best ball mania more so. I worry a little bit about a guy who's getting old, who's all arm power, all arm, you know, really just a live arm form. If he's got tendonitis, I think that could be reason just to maybe single stack the Rams and not take the QB. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll we'll have to hear more uh, and see if you know people are actually worried about this impacting his play. But I do think it's a knock uh, that you should you know adjust for in that he's already I think a tough pick 
for me in that in that range where you know once Lance is off the board and you really are relying on these pocket passers to get there because they're just he's not going to give you any rushing and so it's not my favorite range of drafts that Stafford Carr Rogers Cousins um, and so yeah I do think you want to be a little careful with it I think you probably want to get maybe slightly more discount on it now than you were getting before so yeah I haven't been drafting a ton of Stafford and this will definitely give me a little bit more pause as well. Brandon Ayuk reportedly continues to look like the best Niners receiver in camp. Niners safety Jimmy Ward said he's having the best camp out of everybody on the team, on the offense and the defense. I do feel like, Pete, this is one blind spot that I worry about. As I've talked about, Debo Samuel, one of my highest exposed receivers. George Kittle, one of my highest exposed tight ends. I kind of haven't taken Ayuk for that reason, where I end up with a lot of those guys. Again, targeting that Week 17 correlation against the Raiders. I worry that Ayuk might be a monster this year. Apparently, Fred Warner, part of the reason they were fighting in camp, too, is that he wants to get the best out of Ayuk. He sees that he's on the cusp of greatness and wants to agitate him, I guess, until he's fully great. But Ayuk right now going pretty cheap. I think coming up a little bit in the puppy. Best ball mania, though, he's been going decently cheap, sometimes after the 100 spot. Where are you with Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, I was just pulling up my exposures. These exposures in red are my BBM3 exposures for them. So I, I'm like you, Spags, really overweight. Debo Samuel, overweight, almost double the field. George Kittle, almost double the field. Lance, and then slightly overweight on Ayuk. So like I'm I'm in on this um, offense a ton. And, and with you, I think I would like to bring up my Ayuk a little bit here as we head down the stretch. Yeah, so we talk as Pete's talked a lot with Brick on Lulz. I've extrapolated as well from that show. You guys should be listening to every Lulz episode because I think hearing Brick and Pete talk about it's pretty interesting. But eight percent, eight and a half percent is going to be the, the threshold for where everybody else is going to be relative to owning players in best ball. So trying to get more Ayuk there. If you want to double the field, try to get to sixteen percent would be a decent move for everybody out there. Kenny Galladay, Pete, looking less washed up. Reportedly, he's picked things up in camp after really bad early reports. We've also seen some issues flying uh, with balls flying over the heads of their shorter receivers, Wandale Robinson, five foot eight Kenny Galladay does fill a role are you buying Galladay at all because it kind of seemed like early on I think Hayden might have been talking about it Hayden Wings over at underdog talking about how Galladay could maybe lose a job entirely feels like they need a big bodied guy but I, I don't know if I should be buying Galladay or just letting him kind of slip by yeah I like Galladay uh I'm I'm in on this this whole Giants I like Tony I like Galladay I like Wandale I like Daniel Jones as a late upside quarterback so I would say of all those guys it's a lot funner to select Tony and Wandale because they there's just so much like black box potential that we kind of don't fully know what they are yet and what they could become but uh yeah I do think if the narrative is that this offense is going to look so different this year with Dayball and then I, I think Galladay, sh you know, should be part of that. Like we can't just be like everyone else is going to do great, but Galladay is going to continue to be a disappointment. So yeah, I think Galladay's fairly priced. I think he's a he's a nice target um, where he's going in what like the twelfth round of drafts right now. Yeah, Kadarius Tony coming up a lot in some of these drafts, and he's getting backfield work looking good. One Dale slash One Dale Robinson also getting some backfield carries. We're on the clock here, Pete. So what do we do? I feel like Gabe Davis. I'm never gonna have an issue with, but the two elite tight ends, we should take one of them too. I think. Yeah, I think we definitely take Gabe here uh, at 48. Feels like a little bit of a treat considering his mm -hmm. ADP at 43.5. And um, yeah, uh, I don't think we have to force the quarterbacks. I mean, Waller at, at 49 seems very nice to me. I always support taking Waller. Uh, I Honestly, I think we took him too early. I'm actually on the thumbnail. I noticed in this particular draft you have, we have uh, Waller at the 28 spot getting drafted. I was here. Uh, yeah, go over yeah, right, yeah. Right, right here. We got Waller here go. at 28. Uh, <laughs> that's why I have the big screen up, just to point at drafts that he puts on thumbnails. But like, Waller has fallen a lot. I don't think he should fall as much as he has. Like he goes after the 50 spot sometimes now. 
I still like Waller, and I think that offense, we'll see tonight, but uh, we'll, we won't really see tonight with the Raiders. But I love them so much, and I think Waller, one of the more undervalued pieces that I've seen drop a lot this offseason. Yeah, I, I, w- I, I don't know why. I, I honestly don't. Um, Renfro's come I, up enough, maybe that's why. Yeah, and I guess, like, I don't know, and I just don't feel like there's a huge opportunity cost. Like, I mean, I do like Juju and Godwin and Bateman and these guys going around here, but um, I also think, you know, if you're grabbing Waller here and you're still able to get Elijah Moore or Amon Ra or Drake London or Devonta Smith, like, I guess, yeah, I just, um, and we just know how valuable those elite tight ends are structurally. Um, We were talking about it a little bit on ship chasing last night, too. You know, where it's kind of interesting last year, the week 17 finals, you know, Noah Fant was in the winning lineup. All the Mark Andrews teams um, didn't get that kind of monster elite tight end score, but they needed that monster elite tight end score to get there too. And so that's kind of the finals broke in a way you didn't necessarily need the elite tight end. But when you think over the course of three, you know, uncorrelated tournaments in 15, 16, and 17, it does seem very likely in at least one of those, you're going to need the elite tight end to help you separate from the field uh, in advance. And so there's only a few of these guys that can put up 30 plus points. I think the ADPs on Waller and Kittle and specifically like I have come around, you know, I'm a huge Kittle guy, but I've definitely come around to, you know, Waller being a, a better pick than him. Um, you know, I think before in, early in the off season, I think my take was Kittle over Waller, but they, I, so then seeing these ADPs here, like they shouldn't be this close. Like I don't mind Kittle's ADP here or whatever. I still think it's mispriced, but I mean, Waller should be, I think you should make an argument that Waller should be going like late third, like, you know, a few picks after pits. Especially if Schultz is now going in the fifth, as we're seeing here with our, also the Island Mortgage King, Brian Schultz of this draft with us, who's been on the show doing lowball before, being a true running back pig, scooping up Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Brees Hall. Uh, I don't support that strategy, Pete. I think we all know that's my brand now. Even if he doesn't take another running back, that's too many running backs up top. He's going to get buried by these wide receiver avalanches. It's crazy. Like I, I got some pushback. Obviously, I, I did post one video. If you follow me on Twitter at Chris Spags, you might have seen Pete reply to it. Of course, the classic good shit Spags. But actually, Pete, then the days later, I started to get people replying to me being like, well, in 2016, zero RB would be good, but now everybody knows it. Look at this fucking room. <laughs> like, no, people don't do zero RB enough. And I know you've beaten that drum long before I have, Pete, but it blows my mind that people now think the edge has been squeezed out of it when it seems like people willfully disdain anybody who doesn't take running backs in the first five rounds of a draft. I'm just enjoying you going through the same zero RB arguments and battling with people that happen every year that we were having years ago. And we're just all exhausted with it. And so I don't even engage the trolls, but seeing your energy and your vim and vigor for, you know, this, uh, this hot topic of conversation, it brings a, a tear to my eye. Look, somebody's got to carry the torch here. And if it's got to be me on vacation, as you could tell by my beach shirt, I'm going to keep defending everybody from taking running backs. Really, at least don't take tons of running backs. Like, that's the main thing. Don't be a robust RB guy, as our guy Brian Schultz is looking like. One other Giants note, Ricky Seals-Jones hasn't been with the team all week. Richie James also likely to win a roster spot due to kick returns. Pete, these are two Giants takes. I've given you a lot of credit for your dubs, your McKenzie takes. The Giants, though, feels like you didn't get those 18th rounders right because Ricky J- Richie James is going to have the job, and Ricky Seals-Jones might get cut, it looks like, at this point. What are you saying I didn't get it right? Do, do we need to look at my Seals-Jones exposure here? Well, you're, you're a Darius Slayton guy, and you did take some Seals-Jones, or I guess you okay. stopped. You stopped 1%. Let's, now let's, I mean, we could check the chain now. You can't just say, you know, fucking bullshit. We have to actually, okay, 3%. Okay. <laughs> 3%. And then who did I start taking? Who who was the guy who's James uh, Richie James? Yeah. Oh yeah, Richie. What did I? 
Did I end up? I think I ended up starting grabbing a little of them. See, I started to correct there. I started okay. to correct. See, so just don't try to shame me when I can go to the chain. Well, I give you too much credit. I got to balance it out with a little bit of, of acid on the other side. And I feel like you wanted Slayton to be a thing for years. Now he's going to have to be a thing on another team. It's looking like. Uh, I'm loving uh, how this pocket of the draft is uh, shaking out for us mm -hmm. here. I feel like we have some good some good options here. I kind of wish we had a Niners player. Trey Lance, his ADP is up so much on the puppy compared to where he's been in best ball mania on DraftKings and every other tournament. And I think it's worth it, but boy, it's it's getting hard to take Trey Lance going sometimes to the 60s. Yeah, I kind of, because this is such a juicy territory for these wide receivers, I think I'd pr prefer to just double tap uh, wide receivers here. So Drake London's got to be one of them, right? Um, I, I want two of Devonta Smith, Deandre Hopkins and Drake London. So if you want Drake London, I'll do him first. And then one of Hopkins or Smith, I would personally go Hopkins for that week 17 correlation of Arizona, Atlanta and Devonta Smith. His groin is flaring up Pete, according to training camp reports. They didn't practice today. Uh, so, or I think yesterday might've been, uh, but Devonta Smith's groin, something to watch out for. Yes. No, I mean, that's kind of one. That's actually something. Those are just words I live by in general is watching out for Ricky James's groin. <laughs> for everybody's groin. Just in general. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alec Pierce reports talked about that. One I thought was interesting. Naheem Hines also having a lot of plays installed directly for him with Jonathan Taylor on the field and off of it. Colts beat writer Zach Kiefer says he doesn't see any way the Colts don't use Naheem Hines substantially more in run and pass situations. Pete, you and I both, I think, have been drafting a lot of Naheem Hines. He's one of my highest-scores running backs, part of that zero RB build. We're not taking as much Jonathan Taylor. I take more Naheem Hines as a hedge against it. The fact that both these guys could potentially get there, I like it a lot. We know Matt Ryan likes to check down the guys. I feel like Hines is one of those uncovered treasures that still sometimes goes at, like, the 170 spot in drafts, and I don't think he ever should. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like both things can be true. One, I think Hines is just a good pick in general. And then I think we can also be a little skeptical of like, they're going to use both these guys in the backfield at the same time and line Naheem Hines up as a wide receiver. Like that is one of the most cliche talking points you hear throughout the offseason. Then push comes to shove and it's like one play package that they have with both those guys on the field. But yeah, Hines is, uh, I still think, one of the best zero RB targets. And there just aren't a lot of guys in that mold anymore that have kind of the pass catching floor with some exciting contingent value as well. I think Kenneth Gainwell is the other guy. Michael Carter, I think you could toss in that cohort. Like those three guys can really patch up a, a full blown zero RB build and still give you some juice for some spiked weeks. Lunchables Connoisseur has 64% Heinz. That's probably too much Heinz, but. I think he's worth having. I have triple the field on Hines. I feel pretty good about that. Cowboys beat, uh, beat reporter suggesting another contingent back. Tony Pollard could still be split out wide or run out of the slot more due to James Washington's foot injury. That's going to keep him out a little bit. Are you buying or selling Pollard right now? Because I feel like he's been mostly a contingent value guy who's going to get some touches. But it's getting to the point now where they just need somebody who could be explosive in the field. And it's been multiple guys, multiple Cowboys beat writers talking about this, where like there aren't a lot of explosive players right now besides CeeDee Lamb and Pollard. They want to see him get the ball. Obviously, as a fantasy community, I know you especially some of the ship chasing shows been beating the drum of Tony Pollard for years now. I feel like Tony Pollard things are probably as aligned for him as ever with Zeke possibly out of the team next year. Tony Pollard also an upcoming free agent. So that's a risk point as well. I think this is a spot where if Pollard doesn't do it now. He's probably never going to do it as a cowboy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't feel like much has changed for Pollard. I we, we talked about him a little bit last night too, where like the contingent value is still 
just absolutely insane. If, if Zeke tears his ACL, I mean, he's like a one, two turn pick, you know, tomorrow. So that doesn't change. I think the thing that's a little pricey is that there's other backs like that, like Alexander Madison, you know, would also probably be a one, two turn pick, uh, if Dalvin cook, um, were injured and you can get him much later. So you're paying for kind of this thought of a bigger standalone role this year, which I think is certainly possible, but then you hear the rhetoric from Mike McCarthy, from uh, Jerry Jones, and it's just like, Zeke's our guy. We're going to give him a fucking 600 carries. Like, it is what it is. Bedrock of our team. Feed the damn ball. Tony Pollard, he's cute. He's a cute little scat back out there, but you get that guy more than six touches. He probably breaks down, but Zeke, you give him fucking 900 touches. He's built Ford tough. He's going to be fine. Um, so- <laughs> Your Jerry Jones impression needs to be a regular character, I think. <laughs> Okay, there you go. Um, um, yeah, but I, I'm with you on that take. Like, I, I agree with everything you're saying about it. You know, I think the one difference is that Pollard's been kind of going at a premium all along where guys like Singletary have fallen, guys like Madison have fallen and, and fall a lot in drafts. Hines falls a lot in drafts. Pollard has never fallen. Like, I don't think I've seen Pollard go after the 100 spot once in any draft I've done all summer. So I think people are kind of paying a premium for him. But I feel like at this point where you just need guys who can create space, who can, who can do some things with the ball, I feel like I feel as good about Pollard as any contingent back who could have some normal floor week to week. And we're on the clock here. I think we should take Russ um, with Javante. Give us an elite QB. We also have plenty of options to backdoor stack. And this seems really nice at price 96. I like Russ. I never have an issue with that. And the second pick, though, not not quite as good of a range here for me. Like Damian Harris, if we want to flesh out the running backs. Yeah, I mean, at this point, though, when their ADPs are converging, I'd just rather have Ramondre. I also think we could take Garrett Wilson. <laughs> like, I, I think Garrett Wilson's mispriced. So, like, when you get in these gross ranges um, where it's kind of flat at running back, um, that would be my only other th- idea. No Claypool? I mean, I'm, I'm okay with Wilson if you want to. I'm, I'm fine with him. Claypool, too. I'm just saying, like, I don't mind. We can do Claypool. I don't mind uh, just bypassing. Uh, I think we could have considered Lockett, too. Um, yeah. You but, know, uh, this, so this is not a news item, Pete, but I did. I actually tweeted and deleted it because I didn't frame it right in the tweet. I, I'm just not going to. I don't like putting tweets out there that aren't perfectly framed because I put out so few. Drew Locke hasn't thrown an interception in all of Seahawks camp, but he's now splitting first team reps. I think this is all the stuff I thought was going to happen. I mean, maybe not throwing no interceptions thing. That seems unlikely for Drew Locke. But a lot of really nice pieces on him from the Seattle Athletic Reporter. And I am. I think Drew Locke should be part of the conversation. Once again, me and Ian Hart, it's two great minds in the biz. Uh, Ian, as credible as I am, wearing these pink sunglasses right now, uh, I feel like Drew Locke, no interceptions is a pretty good sign for him. I just realized I'm doing randomizer with Ian tonight. It means I'm going to have two different shows where I have to deal with Drew Locke propaganda. I mean, I'm going to ha- I have a seltzer now, but I should have started drinking early if I knew this was going to happen. You know, Ian actually is one of the guys who's given me one of the nicest, completely unsolicited comments on Twitter where um, he's done uh, shows with us, done On the Contrary when I was at Awesome or Stochastic uh, back then. He, at one point, somebody tweeted like, oh, who's one of the best hosts in the industry that people don't give enough love to? And he's like, he tagged me in it. And I'm like, Ian, you're so big now. Like, this is so sweet of you to do. Ian is a very nice guy. So I fully support you having him on the randomizer and promoting him harder than anybody else you've ever had on the show. You know, it, I mean, the way to Spag's heart, it's just so fucking easy. You, you follow him on Twitter. You give him, pay him one compliment. And this guy will fucking take a bullet for you for life. <laughs> ride or die for Ian Harditz, of course. And uh, ride or die for the randomizer as well. I saw some of the tweet prompts. It does seem like it'll be a fun show tonight with Pete, uh, which is going to be on your channel tonight at 7, right? 
Yeah. Yep. And uh, I didn't even realize it when we timed it. The uh, the Hall of Fame game kicks off at eight. So, um, you know, you could, you know, watch a, a showdown build show or you could watch, you know, Ian, you know, eat hot dogs and, you know, Wonder Bread and and tweet about Drew Locke. Uh, other news item I think is actually kind of important. Justice Hill, who's kind of a forgotten name in Baltimore's running back depth chart, seemingly getting more first team pass game work uh, than Tyler Beatty, who we have talked about as a prospect to watch as a rookie coming in. We talked about him really early on in the show because he was in our football outsiders draft our football outsiders draft content rather. But it does seem like Justice Hill is getting another shot here. Do you have any shares at all? Because Justice Hill is like a forgotten guy, but people were as stoked about him as any rookie running back a couple of years ago. And then he got hurt and it kind of went away but I feel like Justice Hill shouldn't be completely undrafted. Um, I mean, I'm still like Tyler Beatty, I think is, it seems like what they, they're pretty excited about. So that's still kind of my preferred way to play it. But man, if you want to rope me back in, I mean, some of the first ever, if you go scroll through the ship chasing uh, feed, one of the very first times Pat and I like live stream started doing video drafting. It's there's a clip of us like losing our minds, being so excited to draft Justice Hill. Uh, I believe I was shouting, "There is justice in his name, is Hill or something." So yes, uh, we were we were OG Justice Hill super fans. And uh, but yeah, I don't know how much I'm buying it. I feel like he's had lots of chances, and they bring in Beatty, who has a really good pass catching resume and has been getting some good camp reviews as well. Debatey, one of those guys that looked like the most explosive player at Senior Bowl, from what our reports were at Football Outsiders. So, uh, you know, it's, for what it's worth, I just I'm surprised to see Justice Hill catching any passes from Lamar because I would think he's catching passes from Huntley and reports, but he's out there getting work. So, I would say draft a couple percentages if you want to. Bateman and Andrews, though, clear the team's top two targets, so no surprises there. Uh, lots of reports, Pete, about Justin Herbert's camp, the Chargers camp, including TDs and Donald Parham. Uh, Donald Parham got hurt last year, like got hurt real bad. Uh, back in camp, though, getting first team work, and we both like Gerald Everett a lot in this spot for the Chargers. I think Parham is one of my favorite Chargers backdoor stack guys now, just because you get him in the 18th for nothing. He'll complete your you know three tight end build if you want to go there, or a week two tight end build. But Parham, to me, I feel like is we've always liked him going back to the XFL, and now he's getting first team work and nobody takes him anywhere. Yeah, he's an interesting one. I mean, there's a there's a few of those kind of secondary tight ends. And again, like he probably just, he probably doesn't get there unless there's an injury, but you know, if there was an injury obviously to Everett and then he's an every down player, or if there was an injury to Mike Williams or Keenan and they run like more two tight end sets. I mean, we know he can be a presence, uh, in the red zone. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I definitely don't mind him as like a, a tight end three, if you're tacking him on, you know, in the same way you tack on Dolchich, Trey McBride, I think those guys are slightly better bets, but I mean, I'm not going to begrudge anyone for galaxy braining pieces of the chargers offense because Lord knows we can't justify taking Jalen Guyton. And once Joshua Palmer's off the board, I mean, it's fucking thin out there. So Parham probably is the preferred charger after that. So I do have some galaxy brain here for the charters, but let's do our pick coming up and uh, we do need one more QB. We probably need some more running backs at this point. Where do you want to go? I think we stack up um, yes. Justin Jefferson with Cousins. It's a fair price. Um, we could, and then I think we we can start to look to running backs here. I think we uh, grab our guy, Rashad White. Love Rashad White. Ever since he yelled at a fantasy analyst on Twitter, he has been a, a guy that I want to see do well this year. And Rashad White, probably one of the best contingent values out there in terms of breaking out relative to ADP. So, uh I like honestly fun fun team we're building so far. I didn't expect that. I think it's because you started the draft sneakily without letting everybody get into the room. 
No, I didn't start. I telegraphed this one. I did the share screen. They they you all did. uh it's that's only a Monday stream now, move. Um <laughs> everyone has to stay on their toes. No, this this has been a fun draft. I mean, I would say our Michael Pittman pick felt a little gross there. Um, and then I would say our Chase Claypool pick just in the ADP range felt um a little gross, but all the other picks have felt have felt pretty good. So you would have felt better if we took Garrett Wilson over Claypool there? Um, I mean, I, I think I prefer Wilson to Claypool, but I, I think they're both in a similar tier. I think I'm just slightly more excited about Wilson. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so the sneaky chargers pick that I think you could take in the 18th round, if you just get scooped on all your chargers players, obviously we have seen Josh Palmer surge up. People take Jalen Guyton. Apparently Deandre Carter has been murdering the second team of the chargers, uh, making lots of plays seems to be ahead of Jalen Guyton as the dart throw late round chargers receiver. According to some of the camp reports there, would you even consider taking a guy like that where there is pretty good contingent value at receiver, but you do need some, basically, again, I use the Simpson softball analogy where you need Ken Griffey Jr. to fall into a hole and whatever the case may be. But it feels like a guy could get there and it's not like Herbert's not going to throw. Well, you you missed me throwing uh, Jalen Guyton under the bus when I was talking about Parham. Uh, I like I just can't get on board with Guyton. Sure, can he get loose for like one touchdown? But he's basically drawing dead to ever command any kind of reliable target share. Just with what type of player he is, even if there were an injury, I do think you know they'd bring him on the field as a field stretcher. But um, he's one of those cardio guys that runs a ton of those empty calorie um routes so uh yeah i just i have a very hard time getting excited about guyton i would much rather there's just so many guys where and this was one of the big like correlation arguments too of like i would rather have a single stacked herbert and then find a wide receiver down there that i like like let's say a taekwon thornton a guy who i think could actually command a bit more of a target share than than do the guyton thing Fair enough. Yeah. So I'm just going to plant a, a very, very tiny flag, a little miniature uh, drink, umbrella drink kind of flag for DeAndre Carter, just in case everybody else goes down. And worth pointing out, people saying a uh, lobby in the chat saying, I like the Palmer pick. Palmer running with the first team a lot. So we knew he'd be the contingent value for Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, but he's getting in a mix of three wide receiver sets as well. Carson Wentz, Pete, has an emphasis on quick and underneath passes because his inaccuracy has been showing the longer he scans for receivers. I feel like no surprises there. Feels like a bump for Dotson. Feels like a bump for McKissick. I think Carson Wentz. I think it's also a bump for Sam Howell, despite whatever shrimp dick rumors <laughs> might be floating out around out there after Monday's show. Uh, Carson Wentz, I, I man, he might not be long for the world if that's the report coming out right now. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, Carson Wentz is who he is. Like, don't we don't we know what Carson Wentz is at this point? Like no no new information is really going to uh to change that for us. So yes, him having you know looking spotty in training camp doesn't feel that surprising to me. And the last news item I have on my sheet after again obsessively reading everything I possibly could today. Again on vacation, but the grind doesn't stop. Despite my very fun and and very flirty Hawaiian shirt and hat. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold continue to alternate first team reps, though Mayfield has shown a deep ball connection with former splash play mascot Robbie spells an IE Anderson. Darnold, though, has looked sharp according to the athletics, Joseph person, but he finds it unlikely they're going to start him in week one versus Cleveland. If you're to set odds on it, Pete, who starts in week one Baker versus uh, Sam Darnold. And I guess what would be the relative odds? Like how much juice are you giving to Sam Darnold or Mayfield? Uh, I think Baker's like minus 250 to start week one. Re oh, so, so you're a heavy you favorite then. Yeah. What do you think? I feel like it's still like minus 175, like plus ones, like plus 150-ish would be my thought. Because, I mean, Darnold's apparently looked good and brought his A game, and Baker might still have some play-calling things. But 
I just think Darnold's kind of been ruined, and I, I, it makes me sad as a USC alum. But um, like Baker, I'd rather take the mystery box if I were Matt Rule. Like I'd rather see what Baker can do and, and hope that he can keep doing fifty-five yard bombs to Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I just think everything. I mean, they they've told us so much how they feel about Sam Darnold drafting, um, and drafting a rookie quarterback and and getting uh, Baker Mayfield. So I think they have zero intention. Um, I'm sure they want to pay lip service to Darnold and make him think he has a shot, but I really can't imagine that that's going to play out for him. Right, we're coming up at a pick here. Week 17 starter, though, Mayfield versus Darnold versus Matt Corral. Who's the most likely starter there for Carolina? Um, I would still put Mayfield, then Corral, then Darnold. Okay, interesting. I um, Yeah, depends how good they are. Let's uh this is an interesting spot here. We're obviously done at quarterback with Russ and Kirk. I do think we should probably just get Albert O to get to make sure we do lock up a pass catcher with Russ. Um, we can then be done at tight end. And then I mean this Rojo slide, right? With all the, mm -hmm. you know, Pacheco stuff, all that. But I, I guess I don't mind buying the dip on Rojo. The question is like how much more is he gonna dip? Do you wanna hold off? Um, although the puppy's gonna fill in like seven or eight days anyway. So maybe we, uh, maybe we just grab a uh, Rojo. Do yeah. you have any other thoughts? I've, I've been taking Rojo basically whenever I take Cortland Sutton, which has been a lot in the puppy. So I support taking Rojo here. We have the Denver stack. We might as well take a KC running back. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, it, it does seem like there's starting to be a decent amount of smoke around uh, Pacheco. He seems to uh, be making plays, running with the ones a lot, definitely going to be in the mix there. But isn't he the risk point for McKinnon or even CEH more than Rojo? Like, I thought the whole thesis of Rojo is he's the best pure runner. Like, and I buy on on this thesis, so, like, I'm not saying it in a, a discriminatory way. But I feel like Pacheco, like, him being a third down back wouldn't surprise me. Him being the guy that you salt a game with, I just don't think that's the – I don't think it's a situation for him. Yeah, I guess I don't know exactly who would stand to lose the most there. It seems like he would muddy things up for, for everybody. Um, you know, cause we're, we're trying to, it's just, it's harder. Like it, it's easier for Rojo to say, just beat out Clyde Edwards Hilaire for those touches. You know, if Pacheco is playing really well, like he's going to get some rushes as well. So I think anyone, you know, the more people we introduce to that backfield, you know, the, the dicier it, it gets for Rojo to kind of pay off on it. Just knowing that he's not going to catch a ton of balls. Um, and yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It just gives me a little bit more pause on him, but I'm still, we got a discount on him there. So that's why I don't mind it. The chat from Marco saying whoever starts a QB in Carolina more is an affected. I don't know. That's the case, Pete. Like I do think if we have you know, Mayfield out there, like he's been a more acute, uh, a more regular, a more competent deep ball thrower. And I think that could open things up for more, whether he's the guy catching the deep balls or it's just the threat of Robbie Anderson getting there. Darnold is so shell, sh so shell shocked that he's not throwing more than 20 yards downfield pretty much ever. I think more like he's going to be decent regardless, but I do feel like I buy in why people's ADPs were going up for more because if Mayfield's in there or even Corral, like it's just going to look better than what Darnold gave him last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do think like the whole thing about the Baker stuff was it, it doesn't necessarily like change the ceiling. I think it just like raises the floor a little bit. I think it, makes him, you know, less risky of a pick because when you have those quarterbacks that just fall apart, there's just so much systemic risk with the offense just being so bad and not being able to convert first downs and move the ball down the field. So I do think with a competent Baker, um, he'll be on the floor more. So I, I or on the field more. So I do think, um, 
I do think it, it does affect it from a, I, I think his point is probably like, he's going to get targeted no matter who's yeah. at quarterback. And I, I do buy that. But I mean that we know that that offense has an, has the potential to implode with bad quarterback play. We've seen it. You just want to see DJ Moore, I think, uh, get a chance to have a competent QB thrown in the ball at some point. But whether that's this year or not, we'll find out. Um, any other news items for you that seem interesting? I know the Fantasy Life newsletter, of course, always bumping with news items. And, of course, heavily leading towards Cardinals news items, I find, <laughs> generally. And, you know, Benjamin positive ones. But anything else for you that we didn't hit on in my my massive 10-round or 12-round speed round of, of training camp items? Yeah, I love how you're asking, was there any news I forget when you were fucking talking about Jalen Guyton versus DeAndre Carter? Yeah, no, Spags, <laughs> I think you covered it all. <laughs> you might see some stuff I don't see. I can't read everything in the world, Pete. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you're trying to read everything in the world. I would say next time you're on vacation and you get to the notes portion of Jalen Guyton versus DeAndre Carter, maybe just set the pen down, have a cocktail, and uh, go enjoy the beach, dude. Can't you do both? Can't you enjoy <laughs> as Pete? As Warren Sharp has showed us, the grind doesn't stop. If you're on the beach, you're worried about bills over unders. <laughs> it's just how it goes. <laughs> oh, man. I, my brain just like doesn't work like that. Like I'm so all in or all out. Like I'm either at my computer, I'm working, I'm on, I'm doing all this stuff or it's like, I don't want to think about anything about. So shout out to you, you vacation Kings juggling your responsibilities. Do you want, actually, I have a question for you, Pete. How many drafts do you think I've gotten in on the puppy knowing that it opened this week while I've been on vacation? How many have I gotten in? Um, yeah, you've definitely been blasting off. I would say. And, and just to be clear, you've done exclusively fast drafts. Uh, I've done exclusively fast drafts, yes. And I've only been drafting. I've been drafting any DraftKings at all this trip so far. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm guessing that you've ripped off like 35 drafts. You know me too well, Pete. 38 in the puppy three right now. Yeah. Uh, many multi-tabled, sometimes four to five at a time, just because I'm doing them whenever there's a window of opportunity. And I'll tell you what, these teams, Pete, much less quality than my best ball mania teams, <laughs> is what I would say. <laughs> Um, all right, we are on the clock. We got a couple of running backs in this range here. Um, definitely cooled a little bit on TDP um, mm -hmm. with the Jeff Wilson stuff, with the Mason stuff, but um, Herbert. definitely Herbert, I think, for one of these picks. Yeah, I like Khalil Herbert. He's been getting some work. David Montgomery is playing special teams now, so <laughs> to get some Herbert seems like I assume Hamler already went. Uh, yeah, 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 ADP. So... Let's see. I mean, we could take dubs with our Minnesota correlation. Oh, yes. He's really we got to get dubs. Yeah. Let's do dubs. What is there a point, Pete, like where you're not willing to pay for these guys, where Hamler's going so far of it ahead of ADP relative to where it's been? Uh, dubs as well now with the steam on him. McKenzie has come up enough, though I guess maybe not so in the puppy window. Is there a point where you're not willing to draft these guys? Because we've talked about the underdog research saying that 12 picks past ADP tends to have diminishing values. That's not the case for these guys who basically weren't on so many people's radar unless you were following football obsessively from January like we've been. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say the same thing. Like, it's more of a consideration in Best Ball Mania 3 um, where there are going to be lots of teams who have dubs and these guys as an 18th router. And the puppy, um, you know, that's only been open since Monday. Um, I think it's far less of a consideration. I think you can draft them at ADP and, you know, kind of match the field there. And also, like, you saw my percentage. I think I had 4% dubs in Best Ball Mania 3. Like, I definitely want to get that up. So, um, yeah, I think you can continue to draft these guys at ADP. Um, it's, it's also figuring out like, who are the guys that are going to continually like slowly build, um, versus like, who are the guys that just get like one piece of news and then like, they might settle back down. Um, that's always the kind of the market game you're trying to, to play as well.
Yeah, I just I like Dubs so much just because it is one of the spots to be where I wonder if he can just flip Christian Watson and, and get to that spot that everybody thought Watson was going to be at. And Watson was getting drafted, you know, I think above 100 at one point or like in the 90 range at one point. Then he kind of slowed down, cooled down a little bit. Like at this point, though, I, I wonder, too, if you just take Watson and the discount instead of jumping and, and trying to reach for Dubs. But like there's never been I mean, not, I'm going to say not never but like. I have not seen this camp or this season rather as much buzz for a guy who like was on nobody's radar as Romeo dubs. And I don't know if that's like a good sign, a bad sign or somewhere in between as somebody that's drafting all year long for the first time. Um, but I, I just love dubs and everything that comes out about him. I'm like, God, I just want more Romeo dubs. Well, we do, we do this too. Like every year when there are these situations where there's so much ambiguity, like last year, the example we always used was the saints, right? And like after Michael Thomas was out, we're like, everyone's like, who, who's going to be the wide receiver one. Like we, we want to get these points. If we guess who's the wide receiver one, you know, we're going to print and that's how you end up with Marquez Callaway in the ninth round. Well, it doesn't always work out that way with someone. Is it good? And I think a similar situation is playing out here with the Packers where it's like, yeah, we, if we can hit on Rogers, new wide receiver one, that's going to be a printing press uh, right now. And though I think to, you know, I think Dubs is a much more exciting prospect than Callaway. I think Rodgers is a much more exciting prospect uh, or quarterback than, you know, whoever was uh, they were trotting out at the time, Taysom Hill and Jameis. So, yeah, I think it's a slightly different situation. I think you do want to be cost sensitive. Um, but based on everything we're hearing and what kind of, you know, we have Wandale going at 166. Like, Dubs at 169 does not seem crazy to me at all. All right, guys, make sure you're watching. Uh, if you're watching live, hit the like button, whether you're watching after the fact or live, hit that like button. Of course, subscribe to Pete's channel. He's got the randomizer coming up with PFFs, Ian Harditz in a few hours. Tomorrow on the Splash Play channel, we're also going to have Mathology, the resident horn dog of Splash Play, who's Pete been sending me Google Docs with Instagram links to girlfriends. Oh, no. He's you guys got a go. Google Doc? Yes, he's. I don't even like, I'm not. I'm worried I'm going to let him down with the production part because I'm not in my setup now that I've gotten used to. So I'm going to be producing on this laptop and over here. I'm going to be like a DJ going back and forth. And I just don't want to let Mathology down after apparently on ship chasing where all the magic happens. Uh, Mathology was such a superstar. Uh, I have I have a feeling you guys are going to hit your stride. I would say that you might be willing to explore and indulge Mathology's horniness in a way that I even wasn't willing to do. I will say when we were at the beach store today buying this this very thoughtful attire, uh, a lot of the Madigans had like <laughs> had really big titties. <laughs> and it was, you had the Some of them more than others, but Alex was like, oh, like it's weird they have nipples. And I'm like, no, you want them to have nipples because that way if you were buying a bikini, you would know if it were going to protrude accordingly. But some of them too were just like very busty in a way that <laughs> It's uncomfortable, yet deeply harassing. What brought me to the point in my life where I was doing a draft stream where the phrase, a lot of the mannequins had really big titties. On them. <laughs> I think that just means you've really grown in your career, feed. <laughs> grown like a mannequin's titties right before my eyes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I think so. We have three more picks here. Uh, God damn it. Um, uh, we have three more picks here. I, I think we're probably one more running back and two more wide receivers, unless we want to do something funky. Um, I'm happy to continue drafting Will Fuller. I mean, I have no thoughts about Will Fuller, but I'm not going to be opposed. So if that's Imagine what you want to go, it's your puppies. Everyone has been doing our manifestation exercises to will him to the Cowboys. So, um, let's go ahead and do that. The beat writers um, were saying actively the Cowboys don't want to add anybody because that was one of the things I thought that made me put on go on Tony Pollard a little bit more. Um, well, we do need a running back, though. 
yeah, I think we can get off the board here. Who do you want for a running back? I've been taking more Kenyon Drake lately because I took so much Samir White, and Kenyon Drake could be the James White in this Vegas offense. Um, we won't find out tonight, but that is one of the bets that I've been starting to make a little Ugh. bit. Chris Evans, I never mind either. Okay, yeah, I'm not like Kenyon Drake isn't the type of guy I necessarily love in like the anchor RB builds. I feel like I probably want him more in a in a zero RB build where I'm trying to maybe mm. bink some of that pass catching role, but we can survive it. All right, what what else do we have stack like week 17 correlation wise for running backs? So we have Denver, we have Russ, Javante, and Alberto with. Uh, Ronald Jones, and then we have the skinny stack with Kirk to Jefferson, and then the dubs bring back. We have Arizona, Atlanta. We should have done Evans with our little Gabe Davis there. Mm. We have, I think that's, I think that's it. We do now uh, have two Las Vegas, so we could do something with, um, you do something with San Francisco. Never going to be opposed to Jawan Jennings. This is a the guy who could get something there. Did, was someone saying Jawan Jennings was having a rough camp or something? I forget. He's not being mentioned as much as the other guys, but I don't think he's like falling behind anybody. Yeah. Thank you, Marcos. That's what we're all doing. Leave the candle on. Fuller of the Cowboys. Leave it on. Also, Bullock saying that uh, Pete's about to have a daughter specs. You're not going to have a mannequin. I, I I hope not. I mean, that would <laughs> definitely be deeply concerning. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I read the terms and conditions when I signed up to receive a child, and they said they would be a live human. I will tell you a fun, or not, I don't even know if this is fun. I will tell you a baby anecdote from this trip. So we brought like a like a, a travel crib for Luca. Luca refuses to sleep in that crib. He will only sleep in a bed because he's gotten comfortable sleeping in his crib in like one of those suits that keeps him from rolling over. That's the kind of fun you have ahead of you when you go on vacation with a baby is that they just throw you every variable possible. And also you have to pack up like you're moving from your house every time yeah. the baby hits the road. I definitely, I, I feel like I haven't, other than you buying this stuff, like what other stuff have you done on this trip? Are you, it sounds like you've just been drafting teams and so, re, and reading athletic articles. Well, like, have you enjoyed yourself at all? Have you had some fucking pina coladas or something? I've, I've definitely had a few, actually orange crushes are the native drink here in Maryland where it's like a vodka with whatever kind of fun orange, con, I don't yeah. know, it's like orange triple second vodka, I believe. Um, okay. But then they do different spins on that. So we, we've had crabs multiple times. We did play mini golf yesterday and my brother-in-law fucking destroyed the room where I, you know, mini golf, I don't know if, if this is independent to me, but I assume it's like everybody. Everybody has one blow up hole in mini golf where you just fuck up and you go five strokes over and that's it. Her brother-in-law, fuck it, or my brother-in-law, her brother, Alex's brother, two strokes on every fucking hole, like every hole. Didn't hit a hole in one, I hit one, like my father-in-law hit one, my mother-in-law hit one. He was just knocking out twos, and you can't beat somebody who just gets twos every time in mini golf. Were you like also six orange crushes deep, and he's just sober and taking it super seriously? No, I think we were. I think we were both the same amount of sober. We went to get crabs and orange crushes afterwards. So no, that was a sober game of golf, a serious competitive game. I finished second, but he definitely okay. former um, baseball prospect is my brother-in-law. So I guess he's got some athlete in him for mini and golf. You felt? Did you feel kind of like the alpha male on the trip? kind of battle forming there on the putt-putt greens i could i mean her dad also takes it really seriously too so like i, I think it's it's just a group of, of guys respect each other guys who are just a great locker room of guys who just want to see somebody win and and really earn it and i do think like even without my blow-up hole i still would have lost because i had a couple threes in there so i respect jd and i hope jd knows that. <laughs> wow wow um yeah. yes yes everyone spag's going to get crabs <laughs> 
That's Maryland. Ba- everything is yeah. crab. There's crabs fucking everywhere. Both, both, yeah. both actual sexual transmitted ones. And just in terms of branding, there's crabs like, uh, what was it? There was like a crab thing at the store that was like, no pot for me. And it was like a crab because like, you know, crabs get boiled in yeah, a pot. Yeah, you said, man, they, they like their marijuana references down there, it sounds so like. Much, I don't even think weed's legal here, which is crazy. But there were so many marijuana references all around that beach shop that it was, I was perplexed, honestly. Did you guys drive down there, you said? Yeah, we drove down. So three hours. How many hours from, was that? Uh, three hours from Philly. Oh, that's not bad. It's not bad. I, you know, I, I get to deal with Ocean City, but, you know, like, again, the crabs are good. Like, you know, if you get them, eat them up. Any, any sort of crabs, really. There you go. Uh, we say no free advertisements on this show, but crabs getting one tonight. Big crab slide into the DMs. You're going to have to pay for that next time. Crabs are hard. Like, I, Pete, I don't know if, like, in New England, you don't get crabs <laughs> as much, right? <laughs> like, crabs no, are hard we, to eat. We do more. We do oysters. Um, yeah, lobsters, too. Oh, yeah. Lots. Um, so do we want to do, we want to do a wide receiver here? I feel like Bell is the one guy that could cop, but we don't have any correlation there. Um, oh, Terrace Marshall for, uh, for Tampa Bay. Okay. All right. We could do some Terrace Marshall. Pump my Terrace I, I like Marshall. I like Terrace Marshall. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. And also our guy, Nick was in the chat earlier weighing in. He's our, um, our Carolina Panther insider. And he said, um, Baker took a firm lead in camp this week and hasn't done anything to lose it based on how intent they were on trying to find a new QB. I think Baker's at least minus 250. So uh, a, a little boots on the ground, Baker love there uh, from Nick. That was me being surprised that that news item was me tipping the, <laughs> the pink yeah. sunglasses. Now, down. I was just like, there was a news item I missed when I was pouring over 1,900 <laughs> athletic articles this morning. Pete, any edge I could get, I'm willing to take. I'm sussing out the news left and right. There we go, Lunchables Connoisseur, one of my guys. I appreciate it. Uh, Pete, coming up on the randomizer in a few hours with Ian Hart. So give him the big plug, of course, for what you're doing tonight. Yeah, well, Brian said, can we crab sauce on these squads? Yeah, you fucking started your draft with four running backs. You were dead on arrival. There's your sauce, Brian. No friend of mine, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're, you were like recovering with Jacoby Myers and Nicole Hardman. I'm sure that'll get it done for you. There's some um, so- sauce. So what is on the, the table for the randomizer tonight? How are the prompts? Because I feel like Ian's a big enough deal now where you're probably getting a lot of prompts from different corners than you're normally getting. Yeah, I uh, I actually am going to go through the prompts here in a little bit. I will say I had to uh, I had to steer people in, the, in a different direction because 90% of the early prompts were tweet-related prompts. And it's like, one, I'm not going to ask these guys to fucking tweet for every round some bullshit to however many fucking followers Ian has. And two, it's not like the best TV. Like having one or two of the tweet props is fun. But I think once I steered people uh, away from the tweets, I think we're in we're in good shape now. But yeah, some pretty fun prompts. Ian's been, I believe he's been in every year guest. So um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. And uh, he's always a fun time. All right, so go check that out coming up at 7 p.m. on Peach Channel. Go subscribe to the Splash Play channel where I'll be doing my solo stream tomorrow, but it won't be solo because I'll be joined by Mathology and his Google Doc of, of Instagram girlfriends that we're going to go through. And, of course, the Splash Play <laughs> show will be moving over to the Splash Play channel fully come NFL season, so go subscribe over there. We'll continue running best ball season on Peach Channel, but go get in while you can. Hey, God. Follow at Chris Spags, follow at Peter Rovers, at follow at Splash Play Pod, and come back on Monday when Pete and I are back together then. But we'll see you guys. Enjoy your weekends. Bye. I just had to ask one more question. Oh, yeah. Are you gonna are you gonna put like some true like bikini clad clickbait on this mythology show thumbnail? I don't think so because that's not our brand. Like I, I actually had a call. To it's with not our-, our brand. We're gonna have two of the biggest horn dogs in the industry, and you're trying to say it's not your brand. 
Well, we bury it in the middle of the show. Like, I actually had a, a call with our guys at Football Outsiders today because we we're moving some stuff around social media wise. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, we're not going to put like cleavage in thumbnails at Football Outsiders. So can't do that for Splash Play either. We're, we're a gambling and betting show. We're not a but, titty but, show. Put a put a tasteful photo of one of the wags that you're going to objectify on the stream. I mean, let's not mislead the people. All right, I'll, I'll dig through Mathology's Google Doc. I'll put together do the your, thumbnail Do your pixelated morning. like mystery, like which wags are we going to talk about today? <laughs> Who's the QB1? Who's the wag number one? But like less pixels over the titty area, so you know that you're still getting I know you'll quality figure it out. <laughs> I know you'll figure it out. All right, guys, we'll be back again. Pete and I will be back Monday. Tune in tomorrow. Check the randomizer at 7 p.m. See you guys. Bye. <laughs>